Um, our scripture reading, please uh, stand as you're able. Our scripture reading today is Psalm 107, 1 through 3. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Amen. Good morning, and uh, thank you again, um, all of our musicians, for that beautiful uh, representation of all the ways that we have to be thankful to God uh, on this week. And uh, as the psalm says there, we want to give thanks to the Lord uh, because he is good. I'm thankful today, uh, although I've had the opportunity to preach a number of times to you as just a member of the staff uh, here. As, uh, as Neil mentioned, this is my first time preaching since the bishop appointed me as a local pastor. So that's a privilege for me to serve um, as a pastor to all of you. Uh, some have, have asked, you know, as I was going through seminary, are you going to go to another church somewhere? But always my goal has been just to deepen uh, the ministry that God has had for me here. And some have wondered, well, will, will your job change? I still have the privilege of being the director of our media ministry, and I'm so thankful for uh, the team of folks that continues uh, what we do on television and online and all of our media, both our staff here and the many volunteers uh, who do that. So that continues to be my primary role, but now I'm just equipped uh, as needed to help out with pastoral duties along with Chris and, and Neil and Pastor Mario uh, and so forth. So thank you for the opportunity uh, to serve you and continue to do that. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm very excited and encouraged about what God is doing in our church family uh, through um, the ministry of Dr. Chris Montgomery, our new senior pastor who's been here for a few months now. Amen? And uh, yes, um, I was actually telling someone uh, this week, I was uh, doing a job interview with someone, and I was telling this candidate uh, for the job that just, I see Frazier at a at a crossroads, at a new chapter, a new beginning, and God uh, preparing to do uh, great things among us. And part of that is uh, uh, Pastor Chris and I uh, were talking uh, actually with Neil a few months ago, and he began to share this idea he had uh, with us to actually have an extended uh, sermon series that would uh, take us through the entire gospel of Matthew and really, uh, really get a chance to anchor into uh, you know, we pray every week, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But what does, that, what does that mean? Matthew's gospel really unpacks for us what it looks like for the kingdom of heaven uh, to come here. And so he began to share this idea of, you know, normally we would have like an Advent sermon series and it would lead up to Christmas. But what if we launch something next Sunday uh, with Advent and, and, and go through Christmas, but then carry it on through actually the week after Easter so we can really dig into the gospel of Matthew. And so I'm excited about uh, those messages that um, Chris is going to be bringing to us. We have a video uh, this morning to just kind of prepare your heart for what, these, uh, what this whole sermon series will be about. So we want to share that with you now if you'll direct your attention to the screens. broken, hopeless. This world that Jesus entered was in need of crucial renewal. But is it all that different from today? Modern decay leads us astray from the perfect design his divine mind envisioned. 
while we stay imprisoned by our points of pain, like chains on our soul in need of the promised one. Without him, we're a playlist stuck on repeat, poetry replete with impediments, a testament to our inability to take responsibility. So the world trapped in squalor we can't afford, putting faith in the dollar, the scholar, or the sword. Where, oh, where are you, Lord? Can you redeem all this? That's what God's people asked during 400 years of silence, wishing for guidance and being shocked that the next song in his new playlist wasn't a battle cry, but a lullaby. How could a baby be the answer to the cancer that plagues the nations? We were expecting a holy coronation, a military domination, some confrontation to break us free. But in his wisdom, he knew the solution was a kingdom. He comes still today to take his throne, not made of metal or stone, but in our hearts, it starts to transform our trespasses and points of pain, removing the stains that drain us, giving us a new refrain that sustains us so that no matter what the world throws our way, we can say, thy kingdom come for you are the promised one. that series. We're going to have resources for you with that. We'll have a Bible reading plan to go through um, the book of Matthew. We'll have some teaching seminars to dig deep into the teaching of Jesus along the way. We'll uh, share that video out on social media this week so you can even invite uh, others to, uh, to join in to what God will be doing through this series. But uh, this week is Thanksgiving. And I believe that uh, there, there's something about Thanksgiving, something that God wants to do in us that would even prepare us for what I believe he's about to do in this, in this Christmas and Advent season, something about Thanksgiving that's going to position us uh, to receive God's blessing. If we want to be a church where we see the kingdom of God come, if we want to have lives where we see more of God's presence and power within us, uh, then Thanksgiving uh, is a key for that. And so this psalm, as Bob read from the scripture, starts off with, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. You may want to keep your Bibles open this morning or your Bibles app. We're going to actually just kind of go through this entire uh, Psalm 107 and see what it has to say to us about uh, Thanksgiving uh, today. You know, I was listening to a pastor about this time last year, and uh, he made this statement. He said, Thanksgiving is the little hinge uh, that moves great doors. It's a little hinge, but it, it, great doors turn on this. And that phrase just stuck with me. And throughout all this uh, crazy year that we've had, it's kept coming back. And it's proven more and more true to me, I believe, that, that God does something in us through Thanksgiving. That Thanksgiving is not just a, a ritual that we have, you know, where we're going to eat some turkey and, and some dressing and, and gather with family and, and sort of check off a list of things we're thankful for. But it's a, it's a fundamental act. Uh, that what we give thanks for and how we give thanks actually reveals our heart and it moves heaven. And so Thanksgiving is vital to what God wants to do in our lives. And we're going to see more of this as we go through um, this psalm. This psalm was probably written uh, at a time in Israel's history when, if you know the story of the Old Testament, the people of God had been scattered to many nations and, uh, and they had been driven out of the promised land that God had given them. They had been overwhelmed by their enemies because of their own uh, disobedience to God, their rebellion against his ways. So they had lost their land. They had been scattered. But there was this time where according to God's promise and in God's mercy, they were beginning to regather. And there was a remnant. There was a few that were gathering back into the land. And so it says those he gathered from the lands from the east and the west and the north and the south are coming from all directions. And so if you could picture sort of the scene for this song, 
psalm, the way I picture it is it's like there's a group that's around a campfire and they're back in the land of promise after all of these years and all of these troubles and trials they've been through. And there's, there's groups that are straggling in. You know, here comes a group from the north and we want to hear, well, wh- what's your story? How did you get back? to the promised land. Oh, here comes a group from the east, a few families there. Hey, what's been going on in your life? How did God bring you back to this land? And they're all around this campfire. And so the scripture says to us, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Let them tell their story. Let's let's gather around that campfire ourselves this morning and kind of tell the stories of redemption. This psalm actually gives us four different stories of redemption of how God works in our lives and, and how we can give thanks to him. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and just invite him to speak to us. And then we're going to dive into these four ways of God redeems us. Heavenly Father, we praise you this morning that you are good. Your word says you are good and you have proven it over and over. You're more good than we even thought that you were. And Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you because it's your blood that's been shed for us to redeem us. It's your sacrifice for us that has brought us back into oneness with the heart of the Father. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask as your church that you would speak to us this morning about the true nature of thanksgiving. Show us afresh and anew what you've done in our lives. Motivate us to give you the thanks and the praise that's due to your name so that you can accomplish the purposes that you have in us. And all God's people said, amen. You know, when we talk about Thanksgiving, we, can, we could, we could uh, have a whole sermon about thanking God for his acts in creation. We've done that this morning, you know, through, through song. We thank God for his provision, his blessing, his goodness, the harvest, all the ways as creator God that he's blessed us. And we want to give him thanks. As the psalm said, all the things that, that bring joy to our hearts, he's speaking to us through, and we give him thanks for that. But this psalm calls us to particularly give thanks to God because of his acts of redemption. And so before we get into these stories of redemption, I think we need to pause and unpack that word a little bit. Of course, redemption literally means to buy back. It's something that you had and you lost it and you're buying it back at some price. But uh, in, in uh, American usage, in our culture today, there's a certain way that we tend to use the word redeemed or redemption that is a little bit different uh, from actual biblical definition of redemption. So I think we need to clarify that before we go any further. My guess is that the last time that you actually heard the word redemption used outside of church, uh, it may have been yesterday, it was probably in reference to an athlete. So have you ever heard someone use the phrase like this, well, the, the quarterback threw three interceptions in the first half, but in the second half he came back and he threw four touchdown passes. So he what? He redeemed himself, right? Or, or maybe it's like these cooking shows that my wife loves to watch. You know, they'll have the round where the guy comes in and he thinks he's going to be the greatest chef ever and he brings the dish and the judges say they hate it and he gets kicked off the show. But then what do they have later? They have the redemption round, right, where they bring back the people that got kicked off and they get a second chance and, and this time they cook this delicious meal and the judges say, oh, you, you redeemed yourself, right? So the American redemption story is I made a mistake But then I got a second chance and I tried harder and I got it right. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't have anything against people getting second chances and trying harder and learning from their mistakes and all that. But how many understand that that is not biblical redemption? Biblical redemption is not I redeemed myself. See, in American redemption, we say God helps those who help themselves. But biblical redemption says God is the helper of the helpless. 
See, biblical redemption picks up where American redemption ends, at the point where we have had that second chance and we've tried harder, we've done all we could, and we can't get out of it. That's where God steps in and he redeems his people. And so he's calling us this morning to give thanks, to recognize how he has actually redeemed us, not how we have redeemed ourselves, but how our God has redeemed us. And so I want to share these four profiles with you, and I believe if you'll listen carefully and honestly, that somewhere in one of these four stories, you're going to hear uh, you're going to hear yourself in your own story of redemption. So let's see what that is. And I want to give you permission this morning. Uh, some of you are like me, me, and you were raised to be pretty quiet uh, in church. But I need you to preach this sermon with me. Because, you know, the old King James translation uh, said, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so what we want to do this morning is actually affirm God's blessings in our lives. So as we go through these profiles, if, that's, if you hear your redemption story, I hope that you... Uh, will say so as well. Even if you're watching online, you can type in amen or hallelujah or whatever the Lord leads you to there. So it says in verse four, some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away and they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry uh, with good things. How many have been in that situation where you feel like your soul is just fainting with, with hunger and thirst for something real? You know, in, in, in my own life, I can remember, um, I, I'm blessed this week uh, that my wife Emily and I will be uh, celebrating our 20th anniversary uh, I always tell people you should get married in a millennium. That way you'll know exactly how many years it's been since you got married. Uh, but um, uh, that's been such a blessing for me. But many of you know that before that time, I was married once before, and that marriage ended in divorce. And I can remember uh, in that season after I was divorced and, and really before I met uh, Emily, in that season, it was like I was in a desert. My soul was so hungry and so thirsty. It was so... Uh, dry because when you look at what it says about these people, it says they they were hungry and thirsty. It says uh, because they they couldn't find their way to a city. They found no way to a city where they could settle. The reason they didn't have the food and the water they needed is they couldn't find their way to a community. How many understand that God has designed us to have a place and to be a part of a people? to be in a relationship with God and a relationship to community around us. And when we get away from the Lord, we disconnect not only from God, but we disconnect from others. And that was the situation uh, in my life. I was, I was disconnected. I was not only divorced, but I was disconnected from my faith. I was disconnected from my church upbringing. I was disconnected from friends. I was even really disconnected from myself, not sure what my identity was. And God began to work in my life. He began to work in my life to not only reestablish connection with him, but to bring me back to that place and that people, really through the ministry of this church here at Fraser, to put me in community, to connect me to people. And that filled my soul again, where it had been so hungry and thirsty. Anybody here that's had that story, would you say, that's my story, the desert is where God redeemed me from. I was lost, I was disconnected, but, but God found me and he led me to a place where I could connect to people. Anybody here, that's your story, amen? Amen. God works to find the lost and the lonely and to bring them into connection and community. The second profile is the prison profile. In verse 10, it says this, Some sat in darkness, 
in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor, and they stumbled, and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. You know, when you think about this prison profile, I don't want you to so much think of a modern uh, image of a policeman coming and throwing someone in jail because they've committed a crime. But, but in this context in ancient Israel, they were surrounded. They were surrounded by enemies at all times. And those, those enemies would always be um, seeking to raid them. And if they were successful in getting past their protections and their defenses, they would, they would take people away into captivity, put them in slavery and forced labor and so they'd have these chains and so forth and so that that's the image here is that someone who's under the oppression of the enemy because they have lost their protection when God's people were following God's ways God kept them in protection it doesn't mean they never had suffering but they were kept from the oppression of the enemy but it says because they rebelled because they rebelled against his commands they were in this situation of oppression from an enemy and isn't that the way that sin works in our lives? Has anybody else had that situation where the thing that you thought would give you freedom actually turns into a prison? And so we're, we're protected by God's authority and his commands. The world looks at God's commands and says, oh, that's so constraining. You have to do what God says. But actually, when we understand there's an enemy that's constantly seeking to destroy us, but God's commands are what give us protection. When we rebel against those commands, we expose ourselves to the oppression of the enemy. And so we're, we're lured into thinking, oh, this is going to bring freedom and joy into my life when I, when I get away from God's commands. And instead, whatever that thing is, it becomes habitual. It becomes ingrained in us. It gets its hooks into us, and it actually becomes the prison that holds us. It becomes the chains um, that bind us, you know, whether that's immoral desires that lead to unhealthy relationships, or if it's substance abuses that lead to addictions, or if it's uh, even just greed and covetousness and envy for money that lead us into the prisons of debt and workaholism and, and just being driven by a prison of materialism. Whatever the, the, the sin is that, that leads us away from God's commands, we find ourselves oppressed by the enemy. And so we can, we can think, oh, there's no way out. I, I, I've tried to change this. I know there was times in my life where there was habitual sins, and I thought, I'm never going to change this. I'm never going to get out of this. But, but the Scripture tells us they cried to the Lord in their distress, and he broke through those gates of bronze, and he cut through the bars of iron. Is there anybody here this morning that would say, I'm giving thanks to the Lord? That's my story. I've been in a prison. But praise God, he not only forgave me for my sins, but he's given me power over sin in my life. Amen? Amen. So that's the prison profile. The third profile is the sickness. In verse 17, it says, Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Now, we know that not all sickness is a result of sin. Jesus was very clear about 
about that. Uh, but in this particular story, he's talking about people who have, have this need for healing. It says because they became fools through their rebellious ways. So there's this intricate relationship between our physical health and mental and emotional and spiritual health. And it says they became fools. Now in scripture, uh, when it talks about a fool, it doesn't mean someone who's just silly or even ignorant or uneducated. Foolishness in scripture is, it means you're morally turned upside down to God's ways. See, wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. And that means the opposite of that. Foolishness is seeing the world imposing our own view onto the world. But it's upside down to the way that the world really is. And so we become fools. And what that causes, it says these people loathed food and they drew near to death. In other words, their desires became so turned upside down that instead of desiring the things that would nourish them and nurture them and lead them toward life, they were desiring things that would bring destruction into their lives. And so God's healing had to come to them through, through his word to change their thinking, to change their motivation, to change the desires of their heart so that they would actually pursue that which was good for them. Uh, my wife and I uh, have been praying for a, a young woman that uh, uh, went to school in, in her community where she grew up, a small town there, who's just, uh, it's um, almost amazing to see how she has accepted a false identity for herself contrary to God's word, and it has so changed her thinking, so inverted her thinking that she's actually damaged her own body. She's almost killed herself. She's cut herself off from people that love her. She's lashed out against people trying to help her. That's what foolishness does. Uh, it, it inverts our way of thinking. And yet God can act. He can heal us in those situations. It says he sent forth his word and healed them and rescued them from the grave. How many would say, that's my story. I, I, I've been in seasons in my life where I, what I was pursuing, what I thought would bring me life and I was pushing hard to get was actually bringing destruction to me. But God changed my thinking. He changed my heart. He changed my desires to actually want what would be good for me, what would be healthy for me, and what would bring life to me. Anybody have that story that God raised me up, he healed me from the inside out, amen? And so then the fourth story is this. He says this in verse 23, some went out to the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep, for he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. You know, this, the storm profile, I, I love this one because it, it starts off, they sound so confident. It says, you know, they went out on the mighty waters. They were merchants on ships. I mean, these people were professionals, right? I mean, they were getting, getting ready to do business. They had uh, planned their work, and they were going to work their plan. They, they knew what they were going to do. And yet, then all of a sudden, what? The situation totally changes, and, and, and there's chaos and unpredictability. And, and it's like one minute they're as high as heaven and the next minute they're down in the depths and they cannot, their, their courage has melted away now and it says they're, they're at their wit's end. It literally means their, their wisdom was swallowed up. All their human plans and ideas that they had just came to an end. Can anybody identify with that storm profile? 
<laughs> that's 2020, right? I mean, anybody in January sit down and say, like, uh, here's my New Year's resolution. My plan is I'm going to keep my mask washed, right? I mean, none of us saw this coming, right? We set out to see. We had our plan for the year. We had our thing that we were going to do. And yet, all of a sudden, a storm hits, and what? It's, it's chaos. I mean, I, I'm, am I the only one who, at times, I feel like I've almost been physically dizzy from all the change that's happened. And, 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 our, and our human courage and our human wisdom gets swallowed up, doesn't it? You know, in these moments throughout this year, I, I think one of the things we've seen is just, is just the world is more big. It's bigger and more complicated than we thought it was. And what we thought we had the wisdom to handle, we didn't have the wisdom to handle. But let me tell you something else that we can see in the midst of that. When we recognize that the world is bigger than we thought it was, we can also recognize that our God is bigger than we thought he was. Amen? And when our wisdom gets swallowed up, his wisdom is just beginning. And he can guide us through the storm. He's still the one that speaks peace be still in the midst of that storm and guides us to the desired haven. He is the one who guides us through the storm. And he, um, he will see us through this year. He will see us through whatever storm you're facing. So one of these profiles, whether you've been in the desert, whether you have been uh, in that prison, whether you've been sick uh, because of foolishness, whether you've been in the midst of the storm. I hope this morning that you've recognized how God is, has uh, redeemed you, how he has worked in your life by his power, and, uh, and how um, we can give thanks to him. You know, the pattern that I see over and over these, I don't know if you noticed it was, as we read these, but each of these four situations, as different as the situation was, the solution was always the same, wasn't it? It said in each one of these cases, they cry to the Lord, and what? And he answered them. You know, just, just a few weeks ago, um, I got out of a meeting here at work, and I looked at my phone, and I had several missed calls and several texts that had come in from my daughter, who's 15. So, you know, as a dad, I'm, you know, I'm a little, I'm worried, you know, what's going on with Abby? And so um, uh, I call her back, and I'm like, what's, what's going on? And he, here was the gist of the message. Um, dad, there is a wasp. Okay. There's a wasp and it's in the house. And the expectation uh, uh, was you need to come home and you need to deal with it. Now, a part of me, honestly, I was laughing at her and I was like, you're 15. You know, I said, there's a fly swatter, there's bug spray, like you can handle this. Uh, part of me was, was, was a little bit uh, humorous with her. But another part of me was just this dad part of me. It was like, well, she needs me. I'm going to go home. I mean, it's 15 minutes from work and I got work too, but you know, so I didn't go home that day, but, but that was the response that I had. Um, in fact, I was actually thinking about whether I should tell this story to you guys because I was afraid you might get the wrong um, message from it since I didn't actually go home and help her. Um, but I was, I was vacuuming the house, and I was literally thinking about, should I tell you this story? And I hear my, my daughter behind me scream, and I turned around, and there was the wasp. And uh, I took the vacuum over there, and I, I sucked him right up. And so... When she called, I answered. I'm telling you this story for this reason. I love how simple it was for my daughter. I'm in distress. I'm going to cry out to dad, and he's going to answer me. How many of you know that Jesus said, if you, being evil, desire to do good things for your children, how much more does your heavenly father willing to do good for you when you cry out to him in your moment of need. You see, what's really at stake, the reason why Thanksgiving 
is the little hinge that moves great doors. It's because what's at stake is what's in line one of this psalm. Give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. What's at stake when we give thanks is do we believe that God is good? And he wants you to know that you can cry out to him as a heavenly father and he will answer you. And so here's my challenge to you this morning. I believe that God wants to connect two groups of people together in this moment this morning. There are people in this room who have been through one of these four profiles or maybe you've been through all of them and you're giving thanks and you're praising God and you're saying, you know what? I I prayed for God to move. He promised me he would move. I cried out for him to move and he did. He answered me and I can give him thanks now. I can give testimony. I can say this is what God did in my life. There's people in this room that that's your story, but there's also people in this room who are still in the middle of the storm. They're still in the middle of the desert. They're still in the middle of that prison and that sickness and they are questioning and they're being tested Maybe it's you. You're being tested this morning and you're wondering, will God answer when I call? Is God truly good? And so what I believe God wants to do through our thanksgiving is he wants to loan faith that we're here together as a body so that those who are questioning in this moment because of the pressure that's on them, is God good? Those of you who are standing on the promise and in the fulfillment of what God's done for you, you can buy your thanks share faith with others. You can say, yes, I'm going to testify. I'm going to tell the story of my redemption. Because see, here's the thing. Whenever you have a miracle in your life, when you have a breakthrough, when you see a provision from God, when he gets you through to the other side, it's never just for you. It's always because he's giving a seed that he intends to multiply. And so if you're here and you've gotten through an unemployment or you've gotten through a valley of grief or you've gotten through an addiction, whatever it is that you've gone through, God has someone else that he wants them to know just like he got you through, he can get them through. And so as Wayne comes and he's gonna lead us in, in a song of thanksgiving today, here's what I want you to do. If, if you're in the middle of the storm, I want you to listen to the people singing around you. And, and if you uh, are the one who's, who's giving thanks today that God has brought you through. I want you to sing out with extra grace and power and extra faith to say, this is what God has done for me so that others can receive from your faith that testimony of God's goodness. And they will know that God's gonna be good and see them through as well. Amen.